Welcome to The Bomb Squad. I'm your host, Andrew Hada, award-winning writer-director of the film The Empty Space and also another film called The Last Ones that's out on... Uh, it's out on <laughs> right now. Okay, I'm going to try that again. It's out right now along with my <laughs> other film, Borderland. Uh, it came out on August 4th. And so check it out. You can find it on... Andrew's going to fill in where you could find it on after after he finds out himself. But check this, check the Twitters. And uh, we're here as part of our summer of guests that doesn't start till August. And uh, so today we've brought, oh, of course, Josh is here, but nobody cares. But um, today we've brought on a very special guest. Uh, we've brought on Angela Benson. Angela, will you um, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, hi. Well, uh, first of all, I'm a huge fan of the Bomb Squad podcast and Andrew Hada. <laughs> and I am a freelance writer on Vocal Plus, and I cover, you know, just film marketing, film promotion, uh, mainly independent horror, but not just specific to the horror genre. Cool. And how'd you, how'd you get into that? You know, honestly, I just have always loved film and always wanted to be a part of uh, making films that I just used the skills I had and the few contacts I had and um, answered a ad on Reddit, oh, wow. actually. <laughs> um, so I just kind of started winging it and freelancing and it's worked out for about, you know, the past year. Just you know, having fun, basically, not really uh, much to it other than just wanting to spread word about, you know, awesome stuff people are making. Well, that's awesome. And also, she has written a um, an article about myself. Uh, we'll link to it on our YouTube and our Twitter page, but go check that out and um, give it a read. Also, I also answered an ad on Reddit, and I became <laughs> red-pilled, and so now I hate... <laughs> I hate everyone. Um, but yeah, so today we're talking about uh, A Haunting in Connecticut, which is Angela's pick. Uh, Josh, why don't you... Oh, before we get into it, let me let me break down some technical. A Haunting in Connecticut came out in 2009. It is directed by Peter Cornwell, um, who is the most British person I've ever... That's like the most British name ever. It stars Angela Madsen... Uh, Eli's Cotis, who everyone knows as Casey Jones, and also Adam Simmon and Tim Metcalf. Uh, and Josh, why don't you tell us what this uh, movie so is about? So it's, it's a mother is taking her son to cancer treatments, but their house is too far away. So she gets the idea to rent a house closer to the hospital so he can go back and forth more easily. But the there's more than it seems with this rental house. She has she's gotten a little bit more than she bargained for. Okay, Josh, you you cut out on us. Go go again. Okay, so a young mother driving her son to cancer treatments figures out her her current home is too far away, so she rents a home closer to the hospital. But there's something off about this house. Something sinister, one might say. That's my that's my synopsis. Where where does where is the house? It's uh it's in the greater New England area. Oh okay. Um, <laughs> so. Okay, so 
Angelo, why, why did you pick this? Why did you pick Haunting in Connecticut for the film? Uh, you know, because I just feel like when it first came out, I was a young teen and I really liked it. You know, I had no issues with it. Sure, it kind of played into a couple of the haunted house tropes, which I know is a big issue that some people had with it. But for the most part, I just thought it was a really solid film and got me excited about horror again, you know, into my teen years. Because as a younger child, I wasn't really watching horror movies. I can't relate to a lot of the people that, you know, were doing that. It, it You know, it's awesome. But I didn't have that experience growing up, unfortunately. But when it did pick up again, it started kind of with The Haunting in Connecticut. And I didn't find out until later that, um, you know, people had such an issue with this movie. So it was kind of a surprise to me. And I've never really uh, discussed that with anybody publicly. So <laughs> that makes sense. I feel like everyone who's like a teen, like eventually there's always that horror movie that kind of gets you into horror, you know? Mm hmm. For me, I think yeah. it was the Aliens movies. Oh, those are so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this movie, out of all the movies that we've picked on our Summer of Guests, I feel like I like this movie the most so far. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I do agree. I mean, I, I actually, it was one of those things where I, I saw it was rated PG-13, where I was like, oh, they're going to like, this is going to be some like BS. But they do that thing where they cut like one second before it would be rated R. And a lot of, so it's like, oh, so it's still like kind of like suspenseful and has a lot of horror to it. You know, you just don't see like the grossest part. But your mind fills in that blank anyway, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like. It's one of those, I, I mean, I just like the general idea of, because uh, the son starts seeing the ghost first, but he's on like some experimental cancer drug that like hallucinations might be one of the side effects, but if it is a side effect, they might have to take you off the drug. So he's in this kind of like trapped area where if he tells anyone about the hallucinations, he could essentially lose this drug that could save his life. But if he doesn't tell anyone about the hallucinations, he might be going crazy or he might be seeing ghosts. Either one of those things is bad. <laughs> and so, like, I, I just like that premise of he's kind of trapped uh, by our healthcare system. And if I can find a way to criticize our healthcare system, I'll do it. Um, but yeah, I, just, I think it's <laughs> I think it's an interesting premise. And you have kind of like. Like, you know, in, in a lot of horror movies, and especially haunted house movies, it's like, why don't you guys just leave? But in this one, he literally, I mean, the family can't. Because if they leave, there's no other place to go. And, like, they're they're out of luck as far as the medical treatment is. So it kind of gives them a reason to stay without, like, outright saying it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's really well put. Because, yeah, I think uh, it's, like, it's kind of almost misunderstood. Because, I mean, a lot of people have similar issues like that where you know because of medical expenses or because of a living situation or whatever you know they are kind of stuck in a situation maybe not where they think they're seeing ghosts but maybe and it's like i don't know like that is super terrifying to me i mean it's not really gore or you know you're seeing spooky ghosts and special effects but just like the premise alone is just kind of horrifying really and they, uh, he, he's not in it a lot, but the dad is like, he kind of brings it up because they already own a house. 
And then the wife's like, I'm going to rent this house. And then he kind of begrudgingly <laughs> goes along with it. And he's very like, well, I can barely afford this. And then she starts being like, oh, I think something's wrong. And he's like, oh, now something's wrong with the house you rented. So it's like they're kind of like financially trapped there. It is kind of an interesting like, oh, yeah, it's like a real life dynamic to it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, can we talk about the dad? Because he was my favorite character. He was like <laughs> constantly getting he was like constantly yeah, getting he's, drunk. He's great. Um, and then at one point, like, never, they're all describing he's the only the one. He's working so much. Wait, what? Oh, sorry. I think I, I think you cut out there. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that, like, at one point, everyone's describing the scary things that are happening to him. And then he's like, and the food was rotten. And it's like, where have you been, man? You're not you're not present in this situation. Because <laughs> well, he's the only one who never sees the ghosts. So as far as he knows, his wife rents this house and then the whole family starts freaking out at him and then they burn the house down. <laughs> he's like he's like, Oh great. Thanks. He's like, what is happening? What's going on? Who's this <laughs> yeah. priest guy? I yeah. sold my deck for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah, there's even one part where he like he's kinda like he's talking about how much he works and he, he wants to start drinking. He's like an a uh, recovering alcoholic and then he picks up a guitar and I was like, Oh, I hope there's a subplot where he starts like a dad band. <laughs> it's just like on his own, like rocking out. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the alternate movie where it's just a dad having like a midlife crisis to the point where he doesn't realize that his family's being haunted by mummies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Because we really don't get to see like what's going on. Like we kind of just see him in a drunken rage and at the worst time of his life, like his kids dying, you know, whatever. But like, yeah, I would think it would be interesting to really explore that character more. Yeah. Get that. And I think like one of the things that helps this movie is the cast. Um, like the kid who's uh, he's played by Kyle Galliner. Uh, and he's been in a bunch of other. It's not how you say it's like it's got to not oh, be Gallagher. It is. <laughs> he was in Jennifer's body, yeah. but um, yeah. and uh, but he does like a good job of like kind of like he has a hard role pretty much because he has to play like a sick kid who thinks he's going crazy, but also has to like believe it enough to like start to fight it after a while. Mm-hmm. And he does such a good job of like of putting you in that mindset. And I think the mom also does a good job of like, again, she's like a desperate, especially like either. I mean, we joke about it, but the dad is kind of not present. And so the mom takes the brunt of like the emotional and like dealing with the financial aspects of the situation. And so, uh, you know, Virginia Madsen, she she does a great job of like having all that like she's she's just a good strong mom character and she does like she kind of carries especially the first half of the film yeah absolutely. yeah she's great yeah. she's uh she's uh, she's always been good candy man for one. Oh, i was just gonna say i definitely feel like those two were um yeah they're very very talented on-screen talent uh i don't think there's ever been a movie with those two that i haven't seen where even if the movie was just like eh it's like their performances were really stuck out to me. So yeah, maybe that's just my personal opinion though. No, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we saw her in, uh, or probably will never be on the podcast, but the, the short lived TV show swamp thing, and it's not a good show, but she's good in it. Like she's doing her best, you know, yeah. so it's like, 
she's she clearly is like better than the material sometimes but in this one she fits like pretty well she's kind of the central character so another thing we didn't see on swamp thing was the swamp thing because he never shows up um (laughs) also oh i did like okay so at the beginning she's like looking for a house and the guy is like putting up the for rent sign and he just like sells it to her so quickly it's like you should have figured out (laughs) you should have figured out something was wrong here (laughs) yeah i think she kind of agrees to rent it without even seeing the whole house and then the very first time they go in the basement there's like a locked room to like a, <laughs> like a cadaver room and it's like i would immediately be questioning what i've done yeah yeah but i appreciate i appreciate the spur of the moment because that's also how i have my place that has turned into a mess because i also <laughs> bought it spur of the moment because it was 100 years old so i especially relate to that yeah it happens and i mean she was in such a situation too what do you really do I don't know. I think we're all cutting out. No, you're talking. <laughs> you're talking right now. We're all hearing you gasp for whatever you're trying to say. <laughs> well, no, because I was starting and then it cut out when you started saying something. Oh, so yeah, because I, I was like going to start saying something and then you started talking. Okay. So I cut all this out. Go ahead. It's all staying in. <laughs> this is what the fans come for, this witty <laughs> repertoire. <laughs> oh, Are you going to say what you're going to say? I know. I was going to say when they, when the haunting really gets going, uh, they do this real big emphasis on, cause they figure out essentially that some horrible like crime happened here. And you find out um, the, the person who owned it ran a funeral home and he was super into like necromancy. And they, they find like evidence of like, they call it ectoplasm where like it like kind of like comes out of people's mouths as they're being haunted yeah and there's something like it's weird because it's it's one of those things where it's not necessarily like violent but there's something so off-putting about like seeing it like they see it in still photographs first and it's almost like i don't know kind of the tension of like oh that makes it seem more real because it's like oh they couldn't have like faked a photograph of this back then you know what i mean like it's like Oh yeah, like how would you explain seeing like a photograph from the eighteen hundreds with like this like presence like coming out of someone? I don't know. It's I think it really does like an effective job of like okay, it's like escalating the horror without showing a lot of like violence and gore. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like first of all, I just like that they actually call it ectoplasm in the movie because I always thought yeah. that ectoplasm was just invented by the Ghostbusters because it sounds like a Ghostbusters thing. But then you remember that Dan Aykroyd is like a weirdo who believes all that stuff. So he actually took real, real things. And so when you when you see it in other media, it's always fun. But I yeah, I think that's one of the cool things about it is like the history behind the house. And apparently this is based on a true story. And we'll get to it a little later. But no. <laughs> um, it's, it's just funny that like they... Uh, like we get to learn so much about the previous crimes, which is always like super interesting to me. Oh yeah. I definitely love the history of the house kind of concept of it because uh, I actually, at the time of when the haunting in Connecticut came out, I was living in an old hospital from the early 1900s. It was a a refurbished home, obviously, but um, um, like it was like a landmark or something. 
so it was just interesting. And um, in the basement, there was an old table down there, which was rumored to have been the old embalming table. But I mean, I don't really know why you would keep that. So, you know, who knows? But young teen Ange was, you know, definitely like, ooh, this is kind of spooky because the haunting in Connecticut, you know, was an old funeral parlor. This is an old hospital. So it definitely kind of fed that, you know, a little bit of peer, uh, fear in a child's mind. I guess you would say a PG-13 child watching a PG-13 spooky movie. But uh, just interesting because there really are places like that and how she was finding the uh, old photographs, which is uh, also a thing they used to do uh, photography with the dead. Um, We never found anything like that other than just some images of the old staff. And in the backyard when my dad was digging for a fence, there was old... uh, pill bottles so i suppose they used to just bury their trash <laughs> yes yeah, man even now as an adult if i lived in an old hospital and saw this movie i would be freaked out <laughs> so. oh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah living in an old hospital sounds super cool i know um, i'm not even superstitious but i know andrew is incredibly superstitious I'm, and I'm, catholic so I'm super, i can't imagine i'm superstitious <laughs> right um, um, i'm just i'm admiring my own joke that i made do you want to try it again maybe <laughs> no, it's, it better it's a perfect, it's a perfect maybe 10 go out of back 10. and post and have yourself saying something clever there i'm instead. just gonna go back and post it at the last that should have accompanied it um <laughs> also okay and this is this has nothing to do with the movie but okay so there's mummies in this I guess they're mummies. I mean, they're all wrapped up like mummies. Like mummies. Which is one of <laughs> well, yeah, they're like, they're being embalmed, right? That's the yeah, idea. they're being embalmed, but they they look like mummies, which I really which I really enjoy because there's not enough mum. Like people are always like, where are all the werewolf movies? But there's only been so many mummy movies. I feel like we need more. But the absolutely, thing, I know. The thing that made me laugh was that the they all have writing on their faces and stuff, and this was right after I saw the Bo Burnham special. Where he does the writing on his face for the for one of the comedy skits, and I was like, "Hey, that's just my genre now, just writing on the face." Okay, and then, and then after that, you watched Memento, and then yeah. you're like, "Perfect, the trilogy." And then I watched nothing else. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, and you know that was one of the things is that like, I did like the way that the because it could have easily been just like an old timey ghost, but the fact that they made them look like mummies. And like the the kind of demon characters that they look like, it was like good creature design all around. Yeah, I appreciate too because they what they do is uh they they had they spend a lot of time with the sun essentially thinking like oh no I'm like is this the chemo meds am I going crazy you know because like of all this and then it, one of his um his treatments he goes and the priest is there the priest plays by elias codius and he right away is almost like sounds like you've got a haunting in connecticut <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna come over and investigate he's like <laughs> so it sounds weird. like sounds like you got a haunting in connecticut too ghosts of georgia um <laughs> i was wondering that like why did they go with georgia like if it's the haunting in connecticut yeah i feel like connecticut <laughs> There's at least one more haunting before we just yeah. move state. <laughs> move yeah, state. Sure, surely there had to be another Connecticut-based uh, and you know what? story. I, I really, again, like Eli Cotis plays the priest character, and I really liked 
his character a lot too because they again it could have been very easily like oh it's just the priest but he kind of plays him like kind of angry and reluctant and yeah he has this like kind of almost like he's like, like this he's weird creepy. Where you're like oh is this guy yeah is this guy tricking them like or is he just yeah. like that you find out like that's not the case but it's very much like he clearly has had like a hard life you know? yeah because the whole time i felt like oh the reason that he's like this because he's part of the house but it's like no it's just like if you're fighting ghosts all the time you'd also be kind of bitter and a little bit creepy yeah he's haunted and then later um because he comes over to be like oh I'm going to investigate this for you. And then he's there with like the son and everything. And then the mom comes home and is like, what is this creepy older man just <laughs> doing in my house? And it's like, yeah, that she's, she's right to feel that way. <laughs> so, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> the son's like, I met him at the hospital. He believes in ghosts. So he seemed very trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. I do like the idea. Like you go, you get home and your sick son who's on experimental drug is like, yeah, I met this old man who also believes in ghosts. We're going to get him out of here. Be like, Oh, I'm calling all the police. (laughs) And what's cool too, is because they, they do a lot where it's like slowly building. And then when he goes there and then it's like, they kind of have, they're like, okay, let's try to do the seance to figure out what's happening with this house. And as soon as they do that, it immediately escalates to like, Oh, now it's everyone seeing things like rapidly, you know? So it, it very much is like, okay, now they're like completely upping the stakes, you know? Yeah. Also, I like the seance scene because during that scene, they had one of my new favorite things, which is the ghost bulbs. Because they had like lights. And then oh, they yeah. Added the the dad bulbs. comes home. The dad comes home in a drunken rage because he's like, you know how much electricity costs and starts breaking every light bulb in the house? Yeah. And then the phantoms of the lights start going off. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little touch. Like, of course, everything's haunted in this house. It kind of gave me like an Evil Dead feel where it's like, oh, we can just reproduce anything we want, including light bulbs. Yeah, it's almost like um, they, they they almost play it like, oh, this this is how Evil Dead would be if it starred normal people and not a maniac. <laughs> and not the most incompetent <laughs> person ever. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, and I mean, I think the and I think the effects were not bad for the time either. I mean, it was two thousand nine, and I feel like they, you know, greatly incorporated the CGI into the live action. Well, yeah, I, if, you know, if I kind of wish because they almost go for the house on haunted hill thing, um, where they they move or like Jacob's ladder, where they kind of like cut out a frame to make them move otherworldly. But they don't go quite far enough, and I kind of wish they had, just because the the like the design of the ghost is so good that to give them like this otherworldly movement, I think would have like knocked it up just that little notch that it needed. Oh, totally. Yeah, that would have been fun to see. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think like um, yeah. oh, there's that scene where he's he's got cuts all over him, and then he goes to the doctor, and the doctors are like, oh, he seems fine. And it's like, that's, you no, know, that's, that's incorrect. What you just said. It's the opposite <laughs> of how he seems. Like oh, a I mean, kid is, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, like, if that isn't just like the healthcare system, though. <laughs> it wasn't very <laughs> American healthcare system. 
<laughs> exactly. Know, they're like, he's a little anxious. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this guy was filling out ectoplasm out of his I do, mouth. I do like it, though, because basically the mom, like, comes to see. She checks on him in his room and sees that he has all the writing all over himself. And that's when they take him to the hall. She's like, what have you done to yourself? But she'd seen him, like, an hour before. And I want him to be like, how would I have done this in an hour? Like, all over my back and, like... <laughs> Every yeah. part of my body. You explained it to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Logistically, that's just not happening. And, like, yeah, I do like... I mean, just the way they look is super cool. And it's super different, like... I mean, it's now where a lot of the ghosts are very similar, especially with the Conjuring. But this is back in, what, 2009, where you could kind of play a little bit more with what the ghosts look like. And I like that they kind of went for this weird, like Americana almost look of the ghosts. Yeah. They, like a... they have like an almost like every like eternal look to them where they don't look like they come from any specific time period. Yeah, absolutely. They really do have yeah. that timeless kind of almost, uh, I mean, I, I, and I come almost wonder if just the design choice was, uh, done that way because the whole point of, I believe the the older gentleman who was um, doing the seances and mutilating the body, I think their name was Aikman in the story. And it just seems like uh, they wanted to keep, you know, the faces, the names of these people really just, you know, hush-hush, silent, because obviously they were, like, stealing these bodies. So I almost wonder if the choice was uh, done that way to kind of keep with the story's intentions. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really all, yeah, it's it's super well done, and um, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a, like a ritualistic, which makes sense because the idea is that he's like a necromancer, like following like old like forbidden tomes. So it's like, oh, he's kind of like doing this to like obscure their like former identity, but like I don't know, mm-hmm. it does have a very distinct look. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like disgustingly poetic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. it's super good. And um, they also do the thing where... Um, hold on, I got this in my notes. Oh, yeah, they do a lot of good jump scares. And I'm not always a fan of jump scares when they're not done well. But these... There's a lot of them where, like, they they, they take their time to set up all the jump scares. So it works a lot better. Especially with these ghosts who are kind of... Like, you have a bunch of different kinds where some of them just want to be rescued and some of them want to actually attack. So it does a good job of like, of constantly like kind of keeping you guessing, especially with the scares. Yeah, and keeping you know like the multi complexities of humans in with each character, whether they're you know the leads or the ghosts. I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they uh, yeah they do. It's like there's one in particular that keeps coming after him and you keep trying to figure out what he's trying to do and he's trying to warn him and you figure out like, okay, some of them are actually trying to stop all this. You just, you know, you don't get that sense right away. So uh, yeah, comes around in a nice way. Yeah. Yeah, I think like, because I mean, I feel that there are some tropes of the haunted house, but I feel like they uh, subvert enough of them, like from the priest to the 
to the son. I don't think the dad was supposed to be a subversion, but it was a hilarious one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I think there's enough there where I, because I hadn't seen it until you mentioned it. And I feel like the reason I hadn't seen it is because I had kind of heard that it was a little bit generic and it kind of looked generic from the previews. But watching it, I was surprised at how well done it was and like how creative they managed to do everything. Because, you know, they could have done the simplest ghosts like from the 1930s or whatever and just had them in like the old timey clothes and stuff but the fact that they went mummy with it is is so cool and like they have like the dark demons like i don't know it just looks it just looks really good and i really liked the priest character because again as someone who put a priest in his own movie that he tried to subvert um i like when they kind of like make the priests into these more humanized characters as opposed to like uh Oh, he's all good because he's a priest, which is like, uh, have you seen history before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like conflicted. I got near the end. I got excited because eventually they do figure out like, oh, there's so many dead bodies here that we essentially like they have to burn down the house to like be free of the, <laughs> the curse, you know? Um, and the mom is trying to like save the son to get him out of there. And I was like, oh, man, is she going to burn to death just like in Candyman? But she does actually successfully get out of the burning house. I do, I do like the idea that Virginia Metz is like, I'm not going to do it unless I get to burn to death. By the end of <laughs> yeah. That's, they would have done that in Swamp Thing season two if it hadn't been canceled. You know, that was the. That's the why big... it got canceled because she didn't want to get burned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I even like, okay, so I think one of the minuses is that he also has two sisters. And the reason I haven't brought them up is because they're not really part of the story in a weird way. And it's almost like because it's a true story, I felt like they needed to put them in there. And they do stuff here and there, but for the most part, they're not really part of it. And so I don't really know why they're there. But they do have a good scene where, like, he's coming back to destroy the house. And you kind of almost think that he's crazy because he's, like, using an X and stuff. And then you realize that he's trying to save everyone. And I thought, like... Okay, well, that makes sense why the sisters are there because there was nobody else to be at the house to react to that. Yeah, definitely. They kind of seemed like almost like yeah. it's still like a wonderful performance, but just almost placement characters, I guess. Yeah, and I like those actors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I I kind of took it like because later, like you see him early on try to like play with the, like his little siblings, and he's so fucked up from like being haunted and everything that you know it keeps going wrong and it's almost like oh like he's the, they're there for him to be a danger to someone else where the parents need to also be concerned about the whole family not just him you know and that's right. I mean obviously I don't know how true the true story is but that's kind of how I saw like the setup but yeah in the second half they they kind of drop off other than to just kind of react to him so yeah which I mean it also kind of makes sense like if you were if your son was getting more and more crazy, you wouldn't necessarily like be like, well, what's my daughter doing? How's my daughter doing in geometry? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think other than that, the only thing I didn't like was the, I, I just feel like the, they should have gone just a little bit more with the kind of jumpiness of the, of the ghosts. I just think it would have helped a lot more because it almost feels like that early 2000s, uh, CGI that looks like let's just put CGI in the ghost just to have it <laughs> yeah I totally can see what you're talking about there 
Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, found. Just... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, thankfully the CGI wasn't so over that it's like distracting. But yeah, there's there's a few scenes. Yeah, definitely. And so I think that older uh, girl is actually the mom's sister. And the little girl is um, Matt's little sister. Matt Real being up. Kyle Walker's character. Yeah. And I just found that interesting because it kind of also told the story of like, see, they're really, I mean, we don't know why the older sister is really there because we don't see that part of the story, but it also just kind of really hones in like, they're really in a tough spot where they need help with their younger children and they've brought, you know, their adult sibling into their household to help with that. So, yeah, I found that interesting too, because you don't typically see movies that, you know, take the spin of like family has to come in and actually help. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that, but I do think that that's an interesting, that's an interesting bit of information because yeah, again, the movie just tries to really hammer home how desperate, this family is in terms of being kind of trapped there for numerous reasons. And so, yeah, that, that just adds to the themes of how difficult it is when you're, when you're trying to like, you know, when you're in this kind of position of, or you don't even know which way is out to like go that way, you know? Yeah. And I kind of feel like the son is the one who has to like, kind of take charge of, because at the beginning, he's almost passive about his his illness, where the mom is the one who's really, like, she's the one looking for the house, and she's the one, uh, like, really checking up with the doctors. And it's at the end where the son kind of comes around, and he's the one who has to decide to basically, like, take a chance at it and live. And I thought that was an interesting character arc for him. Yeah, I think he has a pretty well-rounded, um, like, story Although at the end, they're like, they, they kind of do like the thing where they're like, by the way, after he solved this haunting in Connecticut, his cancer got better. <laughs> it's like, I would have I, I assumed that just based on the, the flow of the movie. You don't have to directly tell me. <laughs> well, he was also on an experimental drug that was supposed to help him. Right. I just wanted the stinger to be like, after the credits, the doctor is like, going into another patient and the patient's like can we, is there anything we can do doc and he's like yeah have you heard of ghosts <laughs> side, side effects may include being haunted by mummies i need to i need you to find a hundred year old cursed house <laughs> and break the curse and then you will also be relieved of cancer yeah yeah bad news mummies good news the rent's gonna be super down <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, did you? Did either of you see the sequel? I I did not see it. I yeah, gave it a I, try, but I couldn't. I just couldn't really. Uh, I don't know. Does that mean, I was confused does that mean you didn't? Does that mean you didn't finish it? Like you started and stopped, or you just weren't paying attention while watching it? I feel like I stopped paying attention to the point where I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on anymore. And I just stopped paying attention out of just disinterest, you know? So. Sure. Yeah. But I I'm sure it. it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, keep going, Andrew. Oh yeah. I started watching it last night in preparation for today. And, uh, and yeah, it is, it's, it's, uh, it's got some problems. It's also like stars 
a white family and it's directed by a white person, but it's about slave ghosts and it's like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, I was like, you guys have gone in the wrong in the wrong direction with this one. Yeah. yeah, see, that's kind of my beef with it, too. It's just almost insulting sometimes that these movies are made. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Also, okay, so it's called Ghosts of Georgia. It's called A Haunted in Connecticut to Ghosts of Georgia. And at the beginning, the woman moves to, like, this house that her husband has bought. But she should have been like, oh, yeah, I'm moving from Connecticut. Like, give me something, film. <laughs> No, I know. I had like yeah. nothing to do with Connecticut. I was gonna yeah. say, does it at least are they like the mummy style ghosts, like in this no, one, or is it just completely separate? They're slave ghosts, and if you've ever seen any Wishbone story, you know the level of costuming that they did on these. <laughs> oh, that on does these not sound Civil good. War era slaves, yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's like a weird, like it doesn't even feel the same because they could have even done it where it's like, oh, well, why is this family trapped here? There's like, there's a ways to connect it without being specifically about it. But it's almost just like they just were like, eh, let's or even like have the priest, like they, he, they run, like the priest tells them about it or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or have the dad be like, hey, that was a good jam session. See you in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm doing way yeah. better. What was that movie? And this is this is what I wanted to also happen at Hot Ticket Connecticut. What was the movie where Ryan Felipe is the dead pee dad and then the, the daughter wishes that he's cool and he joins a jazz band? You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. It's a horror no. movie where she like she does wishes, but the wishes like come back on you, monkey's paw style. And but oh, Ryan Felipe Wish Upon. Wish Upon, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan. I was thinking of Ryan Reynolds, but yeah, that's the one where, like, they she rides her bike up, and then to do passage of time, they show the bike, but it's in the exact same position as if she hasn't touched it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. And see, here's the thing: I almost wanted the haunting in Connecticut Part Two, Ghosts of Georgia, to continue, so that we could get like the haunting in Connecticut Two, haunting in Connecticut Three, Arizona Angels. <laughs> Wyoming witches, like you could go, you could go so many different ways with, with which it, way you want. They to didn't make. strike that conjuring gold, or they just make yeah. thirty of them. So, but also here's a connection. This this haunting was apparently investigated by the Warrens. Yep. So this could essentially be a conjuring film. I wonder if they'll ever touch it, because I feel like. I don't know. I don't know what the reception is to A Haunting in Connecticut anymore. Like, is it just kind of forgotten or is it do people still not have a negative view? Because I remember there was a negative review, like well, there was a negative response to it when it came out. But I wonder if now it's just kind of forgotten. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I've noticed it still has a fan base, but for the most part, yeah, it's like it, it wasn't given uh, you know, a chance when it had when it, when it around when it first came out because uh, yeah, it did receive a lot of criticisms. But I almost hope it can make a comeback because I feel like a lot of people are just really. I mean, like you even said, you hadn't even given it a chance because you know maybe the trailer didn't deliver and maybe the first couple of reviews that came out just deterred people. But yeah, I feel like it's definitely worth another shot if they haven't seen it already. Yeah, I definitely mm. think it's worth exploring, especially if you like horror films. And it's on Hulu right now, and I feel like it's on Hulu all the time. 
So it's not even like that hard to, to find it. Yeah, I think it's still on Amazon Prime Video too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those movies that's on a bunch of them. So I think like, yeah, if, if you see it and you're looking for some kind of horror, it's a little bit different than check this one out. Especially and, now. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and like you said, it was also part of the Ed and Lorraine Warren sort of a legacy that I know people are interested in. And yeah, so it, it, that's the kind of shocking to me too, how well the Conjuring movies did, despite you know all the controversies surrounding the Warrens. But then the Haunting in Connecticut also was the Warrens, and no one really cared. So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I just I don't know. <laughs> Israel, because yeah. aren't they also essentially haven't they made like a few Amityville horror movies where they like. It took a while before that ever took off, so I don't know. People just kept trying with them until one of them hit, you know. No, the first Annabelle horror was a huge success. What, wasn't there a remake <laughs> that didn't do as well? Yeah, it yeah, didn't do as well, but it, to me, it's a better film. I wasn't alive when it came out. One, one stars Ryan Reynolds and one stars Patrick Wilson, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Angela, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying I wasn't alive when the first Amityville came out, but I definitely remember that one growing up. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the horror classics that's kind of come up. But if you're asking me to judge on which which one shows more of Ryan Reynolds' hot bod, then it's going to be. <laughs> um, you're, you're taking uh, Deadpool over Night Owl. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, no, it's not I, Night Owl. It's uh, James, whatever. James Brolin is the star. Oh wait, there's like eight Amityville movies. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, there's like a thousand. There's one. There's one that's like, um, and I don't even think. I mean, I'd have to go back. It's been a while since I saw them, despite kind of liking them. But I don't even think any of the films have Ed and Lorraine Warren. Like they, mm-hmm. it was like known that they were part of it, but it, they weren't like featured in the movies or the books. Yeah, so, it is interesting, like how they've. They've pretty much become these kind of superstars in the horror world, despite, you know, their reputation. And I feel like at this point, like, nobody, like, the it's kind of like the Jaws shark, where it's like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter what the Warrens were, because they've, they've passed, so they, this is like a fictionalized hero version of them. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, th- I think this movie is good enough where it doesn't really need to be connected to the Conjuring universe. I think this movie is worth checking out, even even if they do a remake where the Warrens go to this house. I think it's good enough without without all that, that you should definitely check it out, especially if it's so easily accessible on Hulu. And then they'll let me make Angels in Arizona, the third, the, the finish off the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, they need help after Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> you got to bring it back to mummies. That's I'm gonna be like I br- I brought back the slave ghost. Why would I do that? <laughs> That's the part nobody wants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I tried to watch it. It was it had like it's weird that it's it was such a nothing movie because it stars like Chad Michael Murray and it stars uh, Abigail Spencer and the girl from Babylon. Five? No, not Babylon 5. Battlestar Galactica, Katie Stackoff. So that's a pretty good cast. It's just, it has like almost more of a famous cast than this one. But this one is by far superior. It's always, um, it's it's at the very least more based on a true story than uh, 
or that movie, the strangers where they break in and like kill them. And then the reason it was based on a true story is the director's like, Oh, I heard about a break in, in my town once. And it sounded scary. (laughs) That's not, that doesn't count. See, and you know what? I don't mind. Like I like that they, when they base it (laughs) off of nothing, like all the, it's like, what's, what's, uh, what's this movie based off Ed Gein? And that movie, Ed Gein. <laughs> that movie, Ed Gein. They're all of Ed Gein. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't really care if movies aren't actually based on true stories or not. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't bother me. I know some people like get all upset about it, but it's just a movie, guys. See, yeah, and I share in that same opinion too, because it's like who who's watching this and is really going to be mad if it's not real? I mean. You are telling a story. It's a movie. It has special, you know, cinematic effects. You're not watching real life, I suppose. You know, you get to have a little fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I now, think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say now with the um, with the real story behind the haunting in Connecticut, I did a little bit of research about, and. So the actual incidents uh, happened in 1986. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. Yeah, I knew it was, it was in the past. It almost had to be because of Lorraine and the dude Warren. Ed. Right. And then so the book regarding the haunting in Connecticut came out in 1992. It was written by Ray Garten. And it's called In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. Written about the... I might be saying this wrong, but I believe it's Snedecker family from Southington, Connecticut. So that is who it is written about. That's the uh, real family it happened to. And so the controversy surrounding this is that, um, who I guess I would understand to be Matt, Kyle Gallner's character. I'm, I'm sure they changed the real names because I don't know. I don't believe Ray Garten is the... Uh, person that this happened to but whoever the supposed story happened to claimed that it was ed warren that said uh or well ed and lorraine that said this is was a formal funeral home where necromancy was performed and so they did an exorcism and then later ed supposedly the guy claimed that ed said exaggerate on your book make it scary you know but, you know, who really knows? And either way, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the haunting in Connecticut. You know, the, the, literally nobody that worked on this movie had anything to do with that. So I try and separate it, you know, same as most people do with the yeah. current Warren characters in the Conjuring universe anyway. So, yeah. So yeah. Also, the only difference is that uh, there's like a documentary about it. And that's called A Haunting in Connecticut. And this one's called The Haunting in Connecticut. I just like mm. a haunting more than the. Oh I yeah, I don't know why, but that's that's the only real thing that annoys me about this whole situation. <laughs> I prefer a haunting in Connecticut? Question mark. Like they're not sure if there was one. <laughs> that's the sequel. A haunting in Connecticut? Question mark. Ghost of Georgia. That's when Ed and Lorraine roll up and they're like, "Was there one? We're gonna look into it." Yeah, we're going to make money. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely worth checking out. And I, you know, yeah, it's the same thing where it's like, I don't care. And I think it a lot of times, like things, true ghost stories are often 
hindered by the fact that ghosts, like, I mean, real ghost sightings, like, it would be creepy if it happened to you, but if you're reporting it to someone else, it's like, that's not creepy. Um, like, I think of that scene in Poltergeist where, like, she's unpacking the things and then she turns around and suddenly all the, everything's on top of the the table. Like, everything's on top of all the chairs and stuff are on top of the table. And that freaks her out. But if you, like, try to explain that to someone, they'd be like, okay. It's like, I moved and all the chairs are different. It's like, yeah, sure, man. And uh, so I think, like, that might be the case of, I think that happened a lot with the Warrens where... The actual story was a ghost story and they just kind of embellished it to make it more suitable for American audiences, which is technically what all true stories do in one way or another. So I'm okay with it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out, especially for the mummy, for the sweet mummy action. And I, you know, it's on Hulu. It's, it's pretty short. It's only an hour and a half. So I think that it's, so go check it out. Go check it out if you get the chance. Um, and yeah, I think, I think we're pretty good. Uh, Angela, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, just, uh, thank you guys for welcoming me onto your platform. I love the show and, um, I, I just really am excited for, uh, you know, the future of, uh, nothing ventured media and anything else you guys are a part of. I love it. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. And if people want to find you, where's the best place to find you? Um, well, they can go to vocal.media slash author slash Angela Rose. And I am also on Twitter at Horror Writer Ange. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that's the best place to find all her writings and stuff. Go check it out. And I'll link it, but just in case you guys find this easier, um, it's always good to have both. And uh, yeah, I think that's it, Josh. Anything? Any last thoughts on haunting in Connecticut? Um, no, Connecticut truly a terrifying place, though. So I would avoid it if you could. Yeah, I wish that they had ended with him being like, "I guess the real haunting was the insurance company." <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I was pleasantly surprised, and I think it's if, consider me a a skeptic who was proven wrong. So go check it out. And I think um, I think that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you, Angela, for joining us. And we'll see you guys next time on the bot. Hold on, I gotta do my thing. So go check out the last ones in Borderland <laughs> on whatever streaming service I said at the beginning of this episode that I've added in. And also keep your eye out for the empty space. Who knows where it is? And maybe there's some fun stuff on my YouTube page. There should be stuff coming or out already. You, you think um, they're going to do that thing where they they put the last ones on streaming again, but use the cover for like that South American movie where they're like shooting zombies at like a, in a skyscraper. Like they did listen, that one guys, time. whatever gets whatever gets eyes on the prize. <laughs> You're like, look, <laughs> you guys want to use put, whatever yeah. whatever cover you want to use. I'm put gonna... Brad Pitt on the cover. Be like, yeah, yeah he might be in this. Watch. I it, mean, please. technically, it's about the whole world, so he's in it. Um, I can put whoever I want on that cover because technically they started. With that. Uh, but yeah, go check them out. Keep keep just keep an eye on all our socials, and we'll we'll keep you updated. So thank you guys, as always, for joining us, and we'll see you next time on The Bomb Squad.